Thank you so much for listening. If you happen to like this, it would help us out if you went and said so. If you didn't like it, uh, don't do anything. And <laughs> we would love if you subscribe to our pod. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Dave, and Emily is here today. Yay, Yay! I'm so excited. <laughs> and, and we are here with Matt Coulter. Matt, and many of you listeners probably already know Matt, he's a senior architect at Liberty IT. He has done so much in the CDK space, everything from CDK Patterns to CDK Day, which was one of the first events I got to go to when I was at AWS, has a new CDK book out. And I thought it would be great to have Matt on just talk about, you know, real world CDK, his journey of, of having architects and developers talking together. So Matt, thank you so much for taking the time coming on the show today. Yeah. And thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. So let's talk a little bit about your background because I always I love hearing these journeys. So your journey to the to the cloud as an architect, give me a little information about Matt and, and how you got into this space. Yeah, I actually think I, I don't know if my path is typical. So whenever whenever I graduated from university, I at the time went through and thought I was really like forward looking and asked every employer, what are your plans for AWS? Like eleven years ago. And right. so I picked Liberty IT based on the fact that in the interview, you know, like they told me that these big plans that they were going to move to the cloud. But whenever I joined, a lot of people tend to think of me in the DevOps space now. But whenever I first joined Liberty, I was actually in the user experience space. So oh, wow. I, yeah, I started out doing UI UX work and doing wow. all the screen designs and putting in like, yeah. you know, the, the standard style patterns that you get now. And that's where I got a lot of the background from where whenever I look at Whenever I look at things like CDK, whenever I say, how can I scale this to all the people? That's because on day one, whenever you start doing UI work, it's every any developer who touches that UI needs to understand how and why they're going to build in certain ways. So I, I sort of got that early about thinking large instead of thinking small team. And so, yeah, that, I mean, that didn't matter where it was deployed. So that doesn't help with my cloud journey, but I continued yeah, to work. Was that your way. degree? Was that your degree too? Like the whole UX usability? No, I, I did a, a master's degree in computer science. So it, it was just a case of whenever I joined Liberty, there was one of the teams in the small business insurance that had a slot. And right. I, I joined for a short period and then the team was just so awesome that it just stayed there, even though like yeah. I just I just picked it up. As I went, I love that we have. I had an, and I did a an episode with uh, Kevin Lapp too, who runs a UX research in developer tools here at AWS. And I always find it fascinating because there are things I forget too. Like you hear anecdotally what's going on, but the the to pull all of that together and actually have this mindset about human being think, like that's had to have given you an advantage as an architect and understanding how the, all those pieces come together. I adored like actually getting to speak to the users, 
because and I absolutely loved whenever you get like an angry user because they're the people that tell you the truth. So right. I actually, if, if I have like a conversation with someone and they're like, oh, your stuff's so amazing. It's so great. It doesn't give you anything to take away to make changes. But if you get right. a user that's just like, I'm not going to use your insurance software because realistically it's cheaper and easier for me to quote with someone else. And then you fix their problem and speak to them again. That, that arc that you've taken them through from person who's actively, you know, criticizing you, the proponent, that's, it's what I always strive for. Yeah. Yeah. Never underestimate the power of earning trust with people, regardless of any industry. You know, we're all human beings at the, at the end. We should start a bingo card game. Was, if we drop um, a leadership principle in the podcast, uh, people have to. Oh, are you making fun of me? <laughs> yes, I, <am>. I love <laughs> you. Yes. <laughs> I've been here too, but I love that. I love earn trust is my favorite is it? one. That's cool. Yeah, because it's like you, you just you can you just you can spot somebody a, a mile away because it people just give people time and they'll show you who they truly are. You know, and I feel like having spent uh, my entire, I shouldn't say my entire career, past 15 years in advocacy, to me, it's all about earning trust and long-term relationship building. You know, it's like, I'm not going to give you the marketing line for 2021 or 2022. I'm going to figure out how I can help you. I like that. You know, and then you just empower people. So anyway, uh, you're, you start out UX and at the time, what, they were just starting the journey to the cloud, just moving AWS? Yeah, so picture... Picture yourself in the scenario of you're a graduate, you've just joined a Fortune 100 company, and they've got this big, large monolith that's it's worth billions. It's it's such an important part of the business, but it's not yeah. shiny and new. You know, it's not you're not talking like serverless lambdas or anything. You're talking big IBM monolith at the time. This was before even the time. The, people have it so easy now with like modern CI/CD and pipelines and integration tests and all the stuff back then. Yeah. It was like all the unit tests were run manually and people would check in changes that just would break all the unit tests. And it was just a case of you just have to phone people up and tell them off. So I, I sort of started I love that in those really early days. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah, so that's like it, it would, we started in those early days. And then I sort of got to witness the entire journey from there to where we are now, where it's like right. CICD. We're going to do continuous delivery. We're going to rely on our pipelines. We're going to have as least code as possible to deploy a solution, you know, like to make sure that we're solving real customer problems. And because I started in the UX space, I was always working away further backwards. So like I started in the UI and I refactored that and then moved into the, the monolith and started doing the larger pieces of insurance logic. I'll not get into insurance logic because I'll bore you and all the listeners. <laughs> but the big complicated insurance stuff that was in the monolith. And that really got me thinking, this is really hard based, based on the technology that was about at the time. It was really hard to deploy that stuff confidently and make sure that your changes stayed there. So that's that's why I started getting into microservices and started looking into Spring Boot and how can we deploy things independently as opposed to in the monolith. At the time, we had a Pivotal Cloud Foundry as, as our internal platform for being able to deploy Spring Boot apps. And it was really easy, but what I found was we ended up deploying like dozens and dozens of these apps and they were all solving business problems. But as a team, I was sitting as the tech lead going to send to the business. I need to keep these things up to date. They need to be secure and it all needs to happen at once. So we were losing significant percentage of our velocity, just keeping our fleet in the state that they needed to be. Right. So that's why I started investigating 
AWS and specifically AWS serverless because I started thinking, okay, what can I get rid of? What Because all these things are the same. Is there a way that I can just hand that off to a cloud provider? And then I focus on the business logic. And I also had this extra edge that at the time I was working with the data science team. So all of the business knew Python as well as like the whole team knew Python. So it was able to actually take them from a place where we were writing Java that they didn't understand to send a right. convert this whole thing to Python serverless. Will that excite you? And everybody was just like, <laughs> everyone just got so excited. And that's where the journey started for me was trying to keep that CICD, getting rid of the monoliths, as well as reducing the amount of overhead from running all these microservices. That's amazing. I mean, that, that's like such a journey. And I love how you included other people who would typically not be part of the whole process, you know, just by switching the language. That's incredible. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was really strange because whenever because the team was really data focused and so all of the business all of our business partners at the time were so into the data and all of the everything about the logic but they just couldn't understand java so we, we essentially it was like we were both speaking different languages but we both knew how to translate it for each other so then whenever we started shifting it and breaking it down and we could both speak the same language it definitely helped yeah. really did it's incredible did you when you were making all these you know, research projects and then starting to implement them. I mean, I could see how a lot of people who would be very comfortable with that, you know, uh, we'll call it antiquated IBM, um, you know, type of setup. Did you hit pushback? Like, what was the experience like? I mean, it can't have been easy, right? Yeah. I, do you know what? I always have that where today I always think, oh, yeah, it was easy. But then whenever <laughs> I go back and think, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, whenever I go back and think, like, whenever I was a graduate, and I was asking why we weren't, at the time, serverless was not a term. So I was asking, like, why are we not building stateless microservices on public cloud? And everybody turned around at the time and said, that stuff's a toy. That's not for enterprise. Yeah. And so that's that's where, like, it was really a case of you you pick your battles and you always go with where the value is. So you can't. I couldn't walk in on day one and be like, right, this multi-billion dollar monolith is going to AWS. But with every new project, I always volunteered to be tech lead of the important projects. And that way, because everybody's looking at them, you could shift the needle slightly until eventually you were at the point where everybody's like, all right, fine, it works. We're, we're bought in now. Yeah. And I, so to me, when I was, when I started doing serverless stuff, um, it was about cost. Like, is that how you led? Did you start showing a lower cloud bill? of look like our developers are only using this versus this. Is that how you overcame that kind of pushback of this is a toy? Because I think price, suddenly your your opinion on a toy, if you're saving money for the business, changes everything. And that's always been a powerful thing for me for, for looking at you know event-driven kind of serverless development. Yeah, the, the cost angle is actually really interesting because it resonates with developers because developers a lot of the time haven't seen the cost of the app they're running because right, potentially yeah. it's, it's hosted they don't have somewhere access. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so they just know there's a guesstimate somewhere that it costs in the thousands. And then if they build something that's like a step function talking to DynamoDB, it goes to like $2 a year. And yeah. as a developer, that gets you really excited about the amount of money. But I also find from the business perspective, it's the same thing. Because typically there's a fixed budget for like hosting costs and those kind of things. So it's not necessarily out of the budget of your business partner to save the money. Like it, it's obviously a good thing for the company, but they have targets for 
you know, actual business needles that they want to move. Gotcha. So that's, that's why for me, I've always sold it rather than on the cost thing because it may be more expensive, but it could still be the right thing to do. Um, I've always sold it on, well, we're, we're going to talk about team velocity. We're going to talk about actually building things faster, building the right thing and making sure that it costs less to keep in production over time. So whenever things happen like Log4j the other month, then if you don't pull in all these dependencies into your your architecture because it's all just built off managed services, well, there was there was teams in AWS that were working twenty four seven to fix that. While oh yes, yeah. sitting oh, casually yeah. just waiting on it to be fixed. <laughs> I want like a. I was getting emails. That would have been amazing to have like a side by side. Like I feel like that's some kind of meme where it's like running around trying to fix this, and then that's just like, yeah, what, what's up? No, <laughs> no, having a good day. <laughs> um, Exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think with cost, <laughs> what I found, because budgets get weird with people, and I don't know if this is global or just America, but if if I spend less money, then that money gets taken away from me, usually. And so what I try and do is, it's not just about saving money, it's like replacing it. So I, I like that you said velocity, like we're we're going to spend less money over here, but that means that we can do X, Y, and Z, which is incredibly empowering. Yeah. I love that. Amazing. Did like, what is the, what is the Irish tech community like? Like what's the, what's the community, you know, excited about? Uh, yeah. The community in Ireland, it's interesting because the, there's a lot of like FinTech and insurance companies in specifically in Northern Ireland. So like that means a lot of the technologies that they use. So you've got your spring boots and your Java's they're, they're massive in the community, but I'm seeing the AWS community is growing like every day and I'm seeing more and more people join to talk about like a couple of years ago, you wouldn't have seen any Northern Irish blog posts talking about like Lambda or Dynamo, but now I'm seeing more and more developers getting excited about it locally and building tools for things. So yeah, it's, it's, it's shifting from the traditional now to the more serverless, which is That's awesome. fantastic. I love it. Um, and then you did a ton of work around CDK, right? Tell us about that. Like, yeah. what, what's the, what's CDK in the real world? What are your thoughts on CDK? All of it. So whenever I started looking into CDK, it was, I can't remember the year, but CDK, it wasn't GA yet. It was, it was still in early preview and I had just been promoted in the architect role and I, I moved areas, I moved business units. So I sort of had been put into this new world where I actually didn't know anybody. And instead of being told what to do, I was told I was empowered to find the right thing to do and to, to be myself. And that's that's where I, I actually, one of my colleagues said to me, he said, uh, have you heard of the CDK thing? I think it's going to be cool. And, and then he went on holiday for like a week and a half and left I me love by that. himself. Just like put an earwig <laughs> in and I was like, bye. Yeah, he just dropped it and left. So he came back and I had spent on the team before I got promoted, I'd been using CloudFormation and I, my team, I was so proud of them. They, they were the first team in the company to put a private API gateway with a custom authorizer lambda into production. And it nearly broke them because it's so hard to do that in CloudFormation. Yeah. And, and the authorizer lambda was really hard to build. But so I took that use case. And in that time when my colleague was off, I, uh, I, I converted it to a construct in CDK and just started showing people. It was like, look, you can go from this this hard to maintain thing that we were always, the, the CloudFormation deploys were always breaking for us because of our continuous delivery flow. It was always, I was never confident that 
I was it was actually going to deploy, you know, based on like CloudFormation Drift and all the other stuff that goes on. So I, whenever you were able to reduce that to a construct that was 14 lines long in TypeScript that could have unit tests, it wasn't a hard sell. I was able to write a blog post internally and I, I can't remember what the, the title of it was. I always, I always put like a sensational title on to hook people in. <laughs> It might have been like forget cloud formation, CDK is here or something Amazing. like that. But I didn't have a delivery team at the time because I was I was over to an entire business area to try and enable them, which was about 170 developers. So they all were on projects at the time with deliverables, and this was a brand new technology. So it was a case of how could I actually get this into the core company as opposed to just a pilot. And that's actually where... There was a, a new project spinning up that I just heard of through the grapevine called the Accelerator. And it was a senior architect in Liberty Mutual doing it. And I, I phoned him up. Rajesh was over it and I phoned him up and was just like, Rajesh, have you seen this CDK thing? It's going to be an absolute game changer. Whenever you launch the Accelerator, it needs to launch with CDK on day one because the Accelerator is the place that you just go in, you pick a pattern, and then it sets up all your pipelines. It sets up all your starter code base. And from there, you just go. And he agreed with me. It wasn't a hard sell, which was really lucky. That's amazing. But what yeah, the challenge was his team at the time had been focused on Fargate because containers containers are hugely popular. And I was more focused on, well, hold on, serverless angle. So that's that's where whenever they launched, I contributed what I ended up calling a skeleton pattern, which was just the minimum amount of code you need to have a CDK project and pipeline set up and the API gateway pattern. And they, they went in, the accelerator was launched, I think it was October or November. And by January, there had been over a thousand of the API gateways deployed. And to this day, the skeleton and the API gateway patterns are still the most popular. And that's a couple of years later. That's incredible. So now, okay, I want to back yeah. up for just a minute because we, we dropped a lot of things in there. CloudFormation, CDK, Constructs. What is the relationship between CloudFormation and CDK? And then what is a construct in your opinion? Because it's, it's kind of a unique concept, I think. Yeah, so to me, I, I don't know if I think of it differently to other people, but to me, CDK is a developer tool to speed up your CloudFormation development because you you write your code in TypeScript or Python or .NET, one of the supported languages, and then whenever you actually do a CDK deploy command, in the background, it creates a CloudFormation template and does a CloudFormation deploy. So it's not like Terraform that's hitting all the APIs independently. It is... 100% based on CloudFormation. And the construct thing, constructs are, it's object-oriented programming for the cloud, really. It's a way that you can write an abstraction to solve a problem, and then you can just distribute it the way you would normally distribute a library. So it could be through NPM or some other package manager. People can just pull it in, and then they can just use your abstraction to, to solve the same problem. And that's, that's how whenever I talk about the API gateway was 14 lines of TypeScript. It's because they're able to pull in my library. And then the 14 lines are the 14 lines they care about rather than the thousands of lines of oh, yeah. specific configuration. And we had Alad on. He did a, a, a two-part CDK episode. And one of the things he said, which I really loved, was he was talking about developers love abstractions. And I'll, I'll put in the show notes a link to your blog because you 
one of the things you hit on in a post you had around releasing you, I think you said something like you've been as an architect, you've been released from your ivory tower, right? And I loved the way that you worded that. And one of the areas you really focused on around was engineering discipline to the creation uh, when you're creating these high level abstracts, when you've got all of the different cloud formation templates, you know, it's, it's CDK is all CFT underneath. It's a different way of approaching this, but I love how you looked at that. And, and in just hearing the history of what you're saying, it feels like CDK patterns is your gift to the community based on what was already created inside Liberty IT, where you had these kind of best practices and these patterns that were being created. And you, you talked about API gateway and things. Is that kind of how that came about? Or were you talking to other heroes in the community and just saying, hey, look, like, because this is what I love, and I'll, I'll let you talk a little bit about CDK patterns. What I love about it is the developer gets to share why. You know, there's, it's not just like this thing that's thrown out on GitHub. It's like, this is why I think this is a good pattern. And I feel like when I'm reading it, it's like, okay, it's not a markety thing. It's like, look, here's my opinion. And and then people can be like, yeah, this is like actually a, a really cool way of doing it. It's, it's, it reminds me of going to an event and hearing someone like yourself saying like, this is what I've learned. Don't make these mistakes, right? But it's it's in one easily consumable place. Yeah. To pick up then, so I mentioned we had the accelerator, the accelerator launched, which meant that it was really easy to set up a pipeline and have a code base and do something. But then it became, well, what are you going to do? And we didn't want every developer in the whole company to go and like go through the same learning cycle and hit the same pain points. Because that's once people get burnt back once, they'll go back to their, their old habits. So that's, that's where I didn't want it to be my opinion internally, because if I, on day one, if I've been like, Matt Coulter thinks this is how you should code on AWS, it becomes a whole political thing sure. of, well, why do you think? So that's, that's why from day one, I started going out and looking into the community and seeing like the AWS heroes and what the heroes were talking about were the best patterns for the cloud. And I started with Jeremy Daly because he famously shares like his, his list of cloud architecture yeah. patterns. Yeah. Yep. And so all the microservices. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So what it does is it go out and bring the heroes patterns in, convert them into CDK. And then instead of me saying it's Matt Coulter's opinion, it'd be like, well, it's Jeremy Daly's opinion that's, uh, you know, saying this is a good pattern. And that's, that's how I was able to almost persuade people it was the way to go. And then that's why it was safe to put them external because it's, it wasn't anything proprietary. It was, you know, just best practices being shared internally and externally. Yeah. And so as that grew, I remember hearing last year that you and other heroes were working on this CDK book and, you know, and Emily's an author as someone, I just, I stink at writing. I am even when I write, like, it's like, it's all prose, you know, it's just, I think, I think in terms of conversations. So I am just in awe of authors like you all. Why a book, right? What, what, came out of that and what did you learn as you were writing? Because I know when I actually do write, it helps me to have my thoughts more concise because I have, a, I'm usually all over the place, like a conversation, right? And so <laughs> tell me a little journey about, and I'm going to put a link in for people to check out the CD book, but just how did that come about and 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 why a book and what did you learn writing that? Yeah, the, the book was funny because like a few of us have been approached by publishers to write a book. Just because everybody seems oh, wow, developers yeah. seem to like books, so everybody wanted a CDK book, but all of us individually were like, 
can we write a book? That's that's a lot of you know big commitment for, yeah. for one of us to do. And that's it was it was Thorsten Hoger, the hero CDK dev tool hero from Germany, and he he brought a few of us together and was like, why don't we just do it together? And then the question became, well, if we're going to do it together, why don't we just self publish the book? Because Alex Debray had published the DynamoDB book, so he he shared what he'd learned with us. So it was almost like we're we're going through the the developer sort of. I don't know, per program and learning from each other cycle only with writing. We were able to set it up as a code base on GitHub with a pipeline. So the whole thing was we checked in the words that ran I through the that. pipeline and exported the artifact, which was the PDF, which meant it was standard developers writing code, only it was words. Yeah. So for, for and I'm gonna put a link to this too. For folks who don't know, CDK Day, right? And and everything that came out of that, did you incorporate some of that in the, the book? Like CDK to me was a place for everybody who's interested in this to 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 come together. How did that all fit in? Because a lot of the same people who are writing this book are involved with CDK Day. Yeah, CDK Day came about. Um, it started with a message that I sent to a few people because it was the first lockdown and I was sitting in the house bored. <laughs> and I just yeah. thought, do you know what? So I text people and I was like, what would happen if we just created a CDK Day and we, we got people to talk about what they're doing? And it was a lad, uh, Richard Boyd and a few others from AWS were like, yeah, yeah. all right, let's go, <laughs> loop it in marketing. And uh, so from the start, CDK Day has, it, it's never been about like money or anything along those lines or selling a product that has always been on the basis of, we just want to come together, want to have a bit of fun and want to learn from each other. Yeah. And that, that's why it's sort of the same people wrote the book that did CDK Day, because it is, it's that tight knit community that is sort of growing now and it's, it's massively global. Whenever I look at who attends CDK Day and whenever I look at like the visitors for CDK Patterns, I originally expected them to just be like the Liberty Mutual locations. So sort of heavily Belfast, Boston based, maybe Seattle if someone from Amazon was checking it out. But whenever I have a map somewhere that I can probably send you, but the CDK Day map for people who purchase tickets, it was everywhere, <laughs> literally everywhere. That's amazing. To the point... It, it was it's it's humbling so it is just to see it because like it's just this thing we put out there with no budget like literally no budget it's just us uh, thankfully like eric johnson it agreed to do the hosting of the first one so we had someone yeah. on camera who knew what they were doing and but he was the in whole, the uh, otter pancakes yeah. Sam outfit too it was so good yes yeah, so that's that that's what made it look professional but in reality it's just a few of us were like let's host a stream and thousands of people signed up to join and that's that's why we're doing it again because even though like it's it actually is a, a huge amount of work to pull those things off but it's the fact of there's so many people who enjoy seeing it happen that i wouldn't want to let them down by not doing it again so that's that's why we're going again this year i love this i'm so excited i love community think like community days or events that are organized by the community, I feel like it's such a better experience for developers. Um, you do a lot of work with CDK, but you also do a lot of work with serverless. How do you, are they completely separate concepts? Do you think they're um, complementary to each other? What's What are your thoughts around that? So I always tell everyone to use whatever dev tool makes them fastest. Like whatever one works for you and your team. It's the same as like, developer language. I'm not going to jump into a team and be like, you have to code in the language I know. So for me, it's about the architectures that are being deployed. So that's why this year, I've because I've, I've just moved into a new role in Liberty and it's 
it's more global than it was. So I'm now in like the central organization for enablement for all of the business That's units. Incredible. And my goal this year is, so it's not specifically CDK focused. What I'm trying to do, we, we started the AWS Well-Architected journey a couple of years ago where we brought in the Well-Architected reviews. And that's that was brilliant because it, it enabled like people like me to sit down and help people really early in their, their cloud journey. But it, it doesn't scale as well as you think it does because you need you need people who can do the reviews. And so therefore, I would need to 24-7 train people to be able to run those for it to scale. So what I'm trying to build this year is the automation so that the well-architected advice just gets presented to the team automatically on a dashboard, as well as build automatic learning journeys in whatever tool people want to use. So if you want to pick up one of the CDK patterns through our accelerator and you're trying to solve a problem with API gateway, step functions, whatever, you'll go through a learning path that'll teach you why all the well-architected decisions were made in that pattern as well as the fundamental technology. Like if you're using DynamoDB, do you have provision concurrent or do you, do you have it set up with uh, on-demand scaling or have you got it set up with fixed units, that kind of thing? And it gives you all the options based on what your use case is. So it's it's not so much about CDK or SAM or CloudFormation or Terraform at this point. I'm really focused on what are people deploying and how do I make sure that they all have this beautiful experience where they get to the cloud quickly but they understand what they've got in the cloud so they can keep it there. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And it, it makes um, the cloud, I think, a little bit more democratic. What are you excited for um, coming up? Then it could be technology. It could be your favorite TV show, uh, <laughs> a vacation. It doesn't matter. Like, what, what's keeping um, you excited right now? I mean, the but the first thing is, like, I'm, I'm really excited about CDK Day that's coming up. We just decided the date, like, a couple of days ago. And that's what I have to look on. Look at my Wait, are we going to get like right. a first announcement on the podcast? Yeah, I haven't told anyone else at this point. Yay. This is an exclusive. So yeah, it's <laughs> exclusive, world exclusive, tell the press. <laughs> but, yeah, CDK Day is going to be on Thursday, the 26th of May this yeah. year. So it is. And yeah, so we have our, our weekly meetings running at the minute between the organizing group from all over the world. And that's that's what's exciting me at the minute, just getting to meet them every week and catch up and hear their stories as well as move that forward. That's amazing. Let me know when there's a registration link. I'll add it to the show notes too, in case someone's listening to this uh, when that's out. Yeah. And I know as well, there's going to be a CFP for people to submit their talks and that'll, that should go out on the 9th of March and be open for about six weeks. I love it. And then where can listeners find you? Typically it's, you can find me on Twitter with the NI developer Twitter handle. To be fair, if you search NI developer, I'm pretty much that on any social media site. So that's that's your way. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, it was such a pleasure having you. I'm so glad that we got to connect and have you on the podcast. It's uh, I think your work's incredible and we just love how much um, you do for the community. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure.